episode 25. Hello and welcome to As It Comes, live from a musician's point of view. I'm Davina. I'm a freelance cellist based in London, and a couple weekends ago, I did my first performance in front of a live audience since March. It is now July. Mark and I were lucky enough to be invited to perform a recital at a care home where our next-door neighbour works. My neighbour and I often catch up in the backyard, two metres away from each other from across the fence. We share flowers, courgettes, swap gardening tips, and when she found out that we were musicians, she asked us to come along one Saturday for a recital and afternoon tea in the care home garden. I tell you, I will never take performing in front of an audience for granted ever again. I think pre-corona, it was easy to get bogged down when you're performing constantly around the city and other parts of the country. You're so concerned with getting the job done, making a living, preparing for the next one, that you forget sometimes why you're doing it. Why are you making music? We played for about 10 elderly residents, plus several of the caring staff. Like the rest of the country, these residents had been in lockdown since the pandemic started, so they'd been deprived of outside visitors. They hadn't been able to see their family and friends for months. So you can imagine when Mark and I turned up with our comically large instruments, the amount of curiosity we caused. And I was thinking, while performing, this music is for sharing. It's not just for me. Sure, as musicians, we think a lot about improving, perfecting, practicing, being self-critical to a point which is almost damaging sometimes. But at times like these, when you haven't performed in three months, you realise the music is for the audience. And when you realise that, you understand how much of a privilege and joy it is to take the stage. That the practice, the technical difficulties, the performance nerves, they take a back seat. I think we've all had a teacher who said something like, you're doing it for the audience. Or, the panel wants you to play well. But there's nothing like a three-month global pandemic to drive that point home. I'll never forget that performance, and it was such a pleasure to have a socially distant afternoon tea with the residents afterwards and hear about the role music plays, and has played, in their lives. So, my guest this episode is Nadine Benjamin. As well as being a soprano and English National Opera Harewood artist, she's also a certified mind and high performance coach. If you've experienced a bit of anxiety throughout this ongoing pandemic, and let's be honest, who hasn't, then this is the episode for you. Nadine has got the words you need to hear. Have a listen. Nadine Benjamin, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And uh, first of all, I mean, this has been affecting everybody in the entire world, not only just musicians, but with the backdrop of coronavirus happening over the last few months or so, what have you been doing to fill your days in lockdown? How have you been structuring your days? Well, my days, I have been on 12 week, which I call stay safe at home, um, safe at home. So because um, I fell into the vulnerable category, actually, so I had to uh, stay at home for 12 weeks. And the first time I went out was a week ago. Um, <laughs> So, 
So, um, because we had to, well, I had to stay inside and not leave. So, so did you have to have things delivered to you, and you couldn't even go out to the supermarket? No, 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 nothing. I still have to have stuff to, delivered to me now. Um, so as well, so I can go out for an hour's walk a day, but I can't. Oh, uh... uh, you're not going to be joining the queues of Primark anytime soon. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't have a thirst for any shopping whatsoever. It's quite interesting, isn't it? That you know, we come into a space where you know, we realise how little we need, actually, and how our inside worlds, our inner worlds, our personal kind of communication with other people becomes more important. And I think as the time has gone on, more authentic as well, because there are no kind of other forms or media to meet masks, I suppose. Mm. So most masks, I feel, kind of fell down. And um, for myself, I just... I'm a certified NLP mind coach and I'm a certified high performance coach and also as well as being a soprano. And um, I woke up like, I think it was the kind of the third day as we started this and I woke up and I was just like, I felt like I had a spiritual awakening really. I felt like somebody was saying, you're a coach and you're a singer and you need to go and lead. You need to go and get something done. And I just started speaking on Facebook and I really wanted to do these Facebook lives. And then I started talking about how we can look after our mental health and how we can inspire our states of mind, really. Mm -hmm. So I was sharing books and tools that people could use. And And then two weeks after that, the spiritual awakening happened again. I'm very intuitive. So it happened again and it was just like, okay, now it needs to be bigger than you. And then um, I just started just inviting people on to come and speak and to talk about what they were interested in. I thought that was very important. You know, I feel that we were in a time or we have been in a time where, you know, people are passionate about things and have never voiced those things. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted them to to be able to to others to be able to express themselves in their most natural way so they picked the topics which was great um yeah yeah yeah. so they they picked the topics and um and then we kind of frame a title for it and uh that way and we we, you know we work within a structure and then and then we just share with an audience but what was great is that we built a community uh, and a community that became a family Mm, yeah well I suppose that's how I found you was through the Facebook live sessions with your chat with Michael Carter Young and then here we are I got in touch and I'm really really glad that we did but I think it really really highlights the importance to as as you mentioned before pull together all these skills that you have as you mentioned being a a coach and, and a soprano and using that for positivity because I think it's easy in this time to think, oh, coronavirus, I'm never going to get to do what I used to do all the time, but we sort of have to look forward to the future. I think I had a funny take on it. I mean, I was very ill the last week of February. They now think it was possibly COVID that I had, you know, so I was very extremely ill and, you know, ended up in hospital and on breathing things and da-da-da-da and all the rest of it. So for me, my kind of inner self just wanted to serve I didn't kind of go into this thing of I'll never be able to sing again because I just felt like a my life had been saved and I I was breathing and I know seven people that have died Mm -hmm. of of this 
and I know others that got sick and had kidney failure and others that got sick and had heart failure so I knew how lucky each and every one of us were to be breathing and so for me the kind of going into something that has been quite natural for me which is my voice I was trusting in the divine that that was going to be there but what I knew was more important is to have gratitude for my life and in having gratitude for my life it was like okay I'm not singing so what else do I do what else do I do well what else if I don't do it well can I upskill on and keep learning about how can I share myself you know I know many singers that went back to work in nursing or or went and stocked shelves because they understood the importance of just showing up Mm. to serve like it was the time it wasn't time for performing it was time for you know standing for I suppose the activism of art which Mm. is about still connecting with people but serving in the same higher plane, I suppose, this kind of universic yeah. plane that we, how we communicate, but in a way that was more simple, I suppose, to the, the simplicities of life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's about communication, what we do as performers and musicians. Yeah. And while that has been somewhat taken away under the current conditions, we just have to find other ways that we can communicate. And as you say, share our messages and what we want to communicate with others yeah because we tell stories like you know we tell stories as instrumentalists we tell stories as singers we tell stories and and all of that is a sharing of ourselves Mm. you know so that continuous sharing I suppose that showed up in other ways that we have when we have dinner with a friend or we pick up the phone and check that somebody those became more active Um, and I just saw it like that really yeah, yeah. And I think as a singer, you must have a really interesting insight into your connection with breathing, you know, with the voice. And I really like hearing about insights from wind players and singers and because I'm a string player myself and hearing yeah. how breathing and the breath is just so intertwined with music because I think it's very easy for string players to forget about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine your gratitude just to be breathing must be just incredible. Yes. I remember when I was ill, like I felt like glass was going through my lungs and I couldn't even make it to the door. I was too breathless. I couldn't make it. I couldn't make it to the door. Wow. I know, you know, to to have one's breath taken away from us, you know, I mean, even the recent events with the George Floyd, you know, I can't breathe, you know, and our breath is our life force. Mm. we breathe in to play we breathe in to sing you know and we sustain the notes and the voice and the characters with our breath you know so it's just this life force and uh, you know just to get really into gratitude about taking our space now and and kind of claiming the space of I can breathe Mm. you know I can breathe now and as I start saying I can breathe now I find new space and a new um, spatial environment for myself where once I may have felt that I wasn't allowed to take up space, I'm now filling the space in a more loving way. Yeah, it's just having that breath and then you realise, well, I'm entitled to this breath, so I am going to use it in my way. And I guess that kind of leads me to ask about your route into singing. 
Because I remember from a Facebook live session, you mentioned that you had a moment where you thought, well, this is my voice. This is what I'm going to do. So what made you realize? It was one of the most natural things that I did in terms of singing full stop, because I used to sing my prayers. You know, I had this thing where it was a form of comfort for me. We talk about communicating, but that's how I communicated with the divine. When I sang, I felt safe and I felt comforted. And I always sang jazz and and rock and drum and bass and garage and I made rock albums and I had bands and I've always found songwriting very easy you know so I just had this space of fun but I you know I've had many people like who I witnessed singing this art form opera and classical music and one of them was Keel Watson you know the baritone Keel Watson and um, I, I was living in Ireland at the time and I saw him sing and I was like oh my gosh can I do that I want to do that I want to do that I want to do that why am I doing that how do I do that you know I remember that curiosity you know of of how that was going to happen and I had no clue I just had this vision of that I've got to be there and then watching people like you know obviously Maria Callas I remember watching her sing Casta Diva and just being in floods of tears and just saying, I want to be able to move people like that. Yeah, it's just pure emotion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just think my initial journey, when I went to go and do it, I had this, I went for this consultation with this really high up singer and she said um she said you know you'll never sing opera why don't you just go and sing jazz that's what she said to me and really I thought that was quite interesting at the time and I remember being at the bus stop and crying my eyes out and I was like you know is this all I'm meant to do and filling in the application forms for the conservatoires in London and, and around and not getting into any of them and and, you know, and then I was thinking to myself, well, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not meant to do this. So I went to rock school for a year, I went to vocal school for a year and did that and, you know, wrote music and was in bands. And, and, and actually it was after that when I was coming out of the bands and I was coming out of vocal performance school. It was the tech schools. It was called Vocal Tech. They're called BIM now, BIM London. Mm. And I just said, oh my gosh, I was putting on nights on the sound club in, in the West End. Like I was hosting these nights, you know, where I got bands and I was writing these tracks and we had this, you know, and I was, and I just thought, oh my God, if I can make that happen, of course I can be an opera singer. So I went and asked the people and, you know, and said, how can I do this? And I just set my path in motion and became really, really dedicated. You made it happen. I think that's really important, isn't it? Because for a a lot of young people coming out of conservatoires now, they're very interested in how people got to where they are, you know, their roots. And, you know, it's very common to read people's biographies and think, oh, they studied from this person, they went to this school, et cetera, et cetera. But everyone's journey is really different. And I think it's something to celebrate, isn't it? Because your journey going to rock school, I can't imagine there being that many opera singers who've been down that road, but it must really you know, empower you with a set of skills that these other people don't have. You know, that's really quite special. Every part of my life is an influence though, isn't it? All parts of our life fit into the journey that we're doing and they influence how we show up. Yeah, totally. It's a tapestry. I, I think I'm just finding this out so much more as, as I get older. And when you have setbacks and then later down the line, you think, oh, well, that wasn't so much of a setback because if that hadn't happened, then I wouldn't be here absolutely I mean I used to be really sad that that woman had said that to me now I'm like thank 
goodness, because I'm stubborn as an ox. <laughs> and actually, because she um, she said that to me, and when I got out of you know vocal performance school, I was just like, I'm going to show you. Of course, I can be an opera singer. <laughs> it gave me this wind of this this volcanic energy that you know was just determined to take myself along that path. Yeah, like I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. If you hadn't known that, then maybe you wouldn't have pursued it with such vigor. Augusta, as I, well, uh, Willard White said on a number of occasions, I love when he says that. It's that thing, isn't it, that obviously we start the wheel, but we don't get there on our own. And I haven't got here on my own. I believe in mentorship. So I've had loads of people mentor me and they've travelled with me along this journey. And I'm, I couldn't be more grateful for the friendships and the many you know teachers and mm. coaches and other colleagues even that have walked with me along this journey yeah it's really important to remember those people isn't it you know acknowledge as you say you can't get anywhere on your own and I think it can be a bit of a problem with some people who think well I, I got here by myself and you know there's that uh, feeling in, in very competitive fields of music perhaps with certain instruments that I'm thinking of and someone might get to the top and then there's that idea of pulling the ladder up from underneath them. And it's, it's just not really fair, is it? Because, well, what if someone had done that to you? I I do find that kind of thought process a bit sad. You know, I'm I'm not a competitor. I'm a creator. Mm. And as far as I'm concerned, there's space for all of us. I feel there's a unique sense of a gift and a message that each human being, as we're talking about, you know, humanity at the moment is coming up a lot, you know, that each human being has an individual gift. We're all coded in, you know, no one else has that gift or can deliver the gift in the way that you are meant to do that. Well, that's unique mm. in every single one of us. So I just don't see it as a, as a competition because I just feel like our souls are all different and they've got different messages. They may have, they may come in the same forms of delivery, but the message is very, very different. So I think that's so important to remember, isn't it? Space for everybody. And it's just a really empowering message for people who might not realize that. So that leads me to ask you about, as you mentioned before, you're a certified mind coach and high performance coach. Can you just yeah. tell me, first of all, what exactly that is? <laughs> so a certified NLP mind coach is neuro linguistic programming. So neuro, the brain, linguistic, how we speak to the brain and the programming, all the paradigms that we've got built in the brain. And we use NLP um, and the way that we talk to the mind to reprogram the mind. And also to sometimes to build new skills, to take away phobias, you know, and then high performance, a certified high performance coach is somebody who wants to have the best of their skills and the best of themselves and be at that at a consistent basis without having all the peaks and troughs. So to be a high performer, we have to set up certain habits or rituals that we are willing to commit to in our daily life as a daily practice in order for us to keep starting at a a kind of high performance position and not feel that we're having to keep dragging ourselves up all the time is a way to maintain our our greatness I suppose yeah it's that mindset of of that feeling of consistency I imagine especially important if you're a performer and you've got to be at that high level all the time So are a lot of your clients musicians or do you get some clients that are non-musicians as well? Uh, Clients that are non-musicians. I've had some corporate, I've gone in and done some work with teams. 
um, in corporate companies. I've seen CEOs. <laughs> I've seen some famous celebrities. <laughs> wow. I think, you know, it's, it's not about who people are. It's about where they want to get to and, you know, whether they resonate with how you serve and how you show up. And, um, you know, I just think people are people at the end of the day. I've met some extremely amazing people in my time that you know when you meet them they're just they're just people at the end of the day but getting that message of empowering your state of mind and how to keep doing that consistently for me I'm really 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 passionate about that because you know the reason why I got into coaching in the first place is because I came from a home that had domestic violence and I was also homeless in my lifetime. I'm also in recovery. Um, so I'm 18 years sober from alcoholism, you know, so, and for me, it was really, 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 really important for me to have to learn new skills and new tools to be able to rebuild my life from scratch. Like, you know, take away all the paradigms that were no longer working for me and give myself a path that I was going to be able to thrive on and be alive on, you know. And, you know, like everybody, you know, we still have our blips in life. It's not that we don't feel the same thing. But I just say there's we've just got more tools in the treasure box now Mm -hmm. because we've done the coaching and because we are are now coaches and we are practising those tools. So a daily practice of those tools keeps the mind and the emotion and the spirit and the body in really a great place so what would you say perhaps as a piece of advice to people in this time where people are trying to exercise new creative skills under these circumstances to really empower them to go and do what it is that they want to do in a world where there are lots of doubts and they might be umming and ahhing about the project what's something that they can really latch on to I think you know, if I was mentoring someone at that t- this time or sending some suggestions, my suggestions would be in that upskilling, make sure that you're looking after your self-care. Because in order for us to learn or to take things in, we must be in a well form and to have a well state of mind. You know, so make sure you're hydrated, make sure that um, you're sleeping properly eight hours a night. Make sure if you're on Zoom a lot, because we are at the moment, we're on Zoom a lot. And, you yeah. know, and one of the high performance habits is to make sure that after 50 minutes that you do get up and move and exercise, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like hydrate, move, you know, and breathe take time to breathe, take time to, to really own your space and take in that breath and breathe in that unconditional love of oneself. And then around specifically around the skills to have patience with yourself. Mm. Don't be afraid to ask questions, find someone who does it better than you and ask them how they did it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the tricky thing is sometimes people, myself included, sometimes I feel like it's quite difficult to ask for help. But actually to show that vulnerability is, you know, you'd, you'd be really chuffed if someone asked you advice on something or other. Your vulnerability is your strength. Like it's not a weakness. It is a strength. And anything that you don't know yet is a future strength. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, Gary Llewellyn came up with that because he offered of the BGI strategy on a page. And when I heard that a future strength, I've never, ever, 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 ever forgotten it. Yeah. God, that's such a good way of putting it, isn't it? So of course, you know, 
so I never, I, you know, I never use that, you know, the word weakness now because I don't believe that we do have weaknesses. We're, we're just, we're always building. Mm. And to think of when you're working with people that you're co-constructing, you're building together, you know, as you build together, you know, work for integration, you know, and that collaboration of the both parties or how many, however many people you're working with take time to listen but mm. also take time to listen to your own instincts as well and don't be afraid to speak up and you know because yeah. your voice is important yeah I suppose it's, it's important to look after yourself for the basic necessities you know as you mentioned hydration sleep self-care you know with that under your belt then you can go and pursue the extra skills I think that's really worth remembering because in the days of social media and everything people feel pressured oh I've got to create something because everybody else is doing it but you have to sort of take it at your own pace absolutely listen for your own message listen for your own your your own time clock there are some people that have spent the last three months thinking Mm. and you know thinking when have they had time to think this long to think and now they will execute at this time (laughs) And they'll be in like full throttle now. But there are other people like myself that needed to execute immediately. And now I've gone into thinking. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. You've got to like take your own pace, don't you? I now feel less bad for doing a podcast every two weeks because <laughs> sometimes I do get these thoughts in my head like, oh, I've got all this time. Should I release every week? But then I think that if I did it every week, I would go nuts. You know, I have to listen to myself and not feel bad for being unproductive or, you know, seemingly unproductive or just taking a break from time to time. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I remember when I first started the Safe at Home live, live sessions on the Facebook, I said the first thing to do is plan your days. You know, I didn't want people to feel like there were just nothing to do. But I didn't say, you know, plan your days with all the things, new things you want to learn or, you know, I gave that as a choice. But also plan your days as in if you're going to sit at home all day and watch Netflix, plan that. Right. Yeah. So planning your downtime as well. Yeah. Make it your choice. Hmm. If you want to stay in bed all day, but know it's a choice. Not that you, oh, there's nothing else to do and I'm so bored. No, it's a choice. You are making that choice. That choice is okay as long as you're conscious about that that's the choice that you're making. Yeah, and then it just, it refreshes you. It recharges you so that when you do have those moments, aha moments, you know, you are fully charged to actually execute that rather than, oh, you know, I suppose I should do a bit of this, but then, you know, (laughs) you're not going to have your best creative output with that mindset, are you? No. And and one of the other things that I thought was really important is that we have things to look forward to, you know, for you doing a podcast every couple of weeks is brilliant because you, you look forward to it then, you know, my thing of doing the safe at home sessions Monday to Friday was because I looked forward to connecting people. Yours is yours is between two, but I had other people in the room and we would talk to them in the room and bring them in at the same time, you know, that it was a form of, it was a whirlpool of connection, you know? And so everything has its right timeline as well yeah and you're just happy to catch me on my week off (laughs) (laughs) I feel very lucky very very lucky thank you for making that choice (laughs) 
I did absolutely and you know absolutely and it was awfully nice of you to ask as well you know I'm, I'm, I'm I feel really blessed to be here oh, with great. somebody yeah. who has such a caring response to musicians I can see that you have this great care to reach out and to really hold space for musicians I really feel that in you so it's a, it's a blessing oh. to be here well, thank you well, it's a pleasure to have you here and everything that you say just makes absolute sense so thank you so much <laughs> for sharing your expertise as a coach it's incredible I have the segment in my podcast called the wild card question round oh my goodness <laughs> how does that make you feel <laughs> A little bit nervous. <laughs> just think of your future self. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Don't worry, it's just it's harmless. Good, good, clean fun. But um, this is your opportunity to choose what I ask you next, based on three topics. So, first of all, we have travel destinations. Hmm. We have memorable gigs, and we have what's cooking. Oh my goodness. Stunned silence. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Memorable gigs coming. Tell me a performance that you did that sticks out in your memory. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have chosen it now and I'm going to be like, oh, what did I choose? <laughs> I suppose there's one particular one that stands out and it was with English Touring Opera. Oh, and- cool. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I just, oh, I just played with them for the first time last season oh, over autumn. It was the right one to pick. Yeah, it was the right one to pick. So, and it was James Conway and I, um, he had been in conversation with me and I was covering the Tosca. They had two other Toscas, which was wonderful. But within two weeks, I was told I'm going to be Tosca. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny because I remembered you know, going, oh my gosh, I've had no orchestra, I've had no, how are we going to work this? So the conductor met me the, the night before and we he played through it with me. And I just remember thinking that this is a role I've always wanted to do. And it was a mountain, but I had really meticulously studied because, you know, I hadn't had a chance to perform it at all, but I'd watched every single rehearsal. <laughs> And one of the things, you know, when I was starting out and covering, I do believe that watching as many rehearsals as possible and just being of support to the principals as possible is really, really, really important. And I just felt that it was an opportunity for me to prove to myself also that I could make this work. And I remember also I was at Scottish Opera at the time covering Musetta. So I'd just done a whole day's worth of um, Musetta as well. And basically, I had to travel from Scotland, I think it was to Bath or somewhere like that. I can't remember now, my brain is going, but you know, but it was a long journey. It took me over seven hours or something. And by the time I got there, I had only 20 minutes before curtain up. (laughs) Just remember like Nadine going into this kind of machine mode. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to get on. I've just got to be in Tosca. I've got to be all of Tosca right now because if I'm not, I'm going to be in trouble. And it was one of the most, for me, the most joyous moments to know that under pressure, under that extreme pressure, that I could still deliver in a technical 
and professional way mm -hmm. and still please an audience and you know give of this art form to my fullest ability and it really gave me a lot of confidence actually after that because once I knew I could do that I was like I can do anything yeah and you know it was quite a tall thing that I had to to jump off as well you know at the end and I remember jumping off you know at the end and I jumped down onto the mat at the at the bottom and then I just went yes <laughs> after I'd finished <laughs> I'm so proud of myself and the team were amazing they were really supportive yeah. and it's wonderful when people really support you and they're behind you and they just want you to win and you because you want them to win and you want the whole production to win yeah that's the wonderful thing about opera isn't it it's just so many cogs pulling together to make things yeah. happen isn't there like a classic story about um a tosca where she jumps off at the end onto the mat but then bounced back up yes <laughs> Yes! yes. <laughs> there is one performance that actually changed my life. I was at the Mediterranean Opera Festival and Jack Vigny had got me to do a traviata. Um, I was doing Violetta. And that really challenged me because I had never, at that time, had never seen, you know, a black traviata. I'd never seen that. I'd never seen that on stage. And I was just like, Jack, are you sure I'm meant to be saying this? And he was like, of course! I want you to do it. You're on my traviata. Get on, get on, get on and do it. And I remember after that performance, because I'd had that great encouragement, because I'd turned up and, you know, I, I had learned all the role, but I'd found it really difficult to lift off the page. And, but I had all this support and it was just really, you know, but it was after that, that performance in Italy that I was like, okay, now the level has just hit another space and I have to really switch on my gears because this opera, being a soprano, being in this business is not child's play. It really isn't. It's no longer summer school. This is, you are with the big guys now and you've got to play full out. And I remember making that commitment. And it's so funny because as soon as I made that commitment, then I got my ENO Harvard artist. Amazing. It just goes to show you've just got to keep challenging yourself, keep turning up, keep showing up, and then life will surprise you in so many amazing ways. That's yeah. such a great story. I love hearing about people's memorable gigs because <laughs> it's, just, it's just always a mixture of being like really harrowing and quite funny, but also just quite moving as well. And, and always, I think, when it involves opera, even more so, it seems to be quite dramatic. <laughs> amazing they're all amazing yeah. I mean we're, we're just so blessed to do what we do when we do it and even in this period I've, I've managed to be in an opera we did we made an opera they called it a lockdown opera oh wow and um, it's called the snail and that will be coming out really soon and I'd song wrote as well with Michael Carter Young and you know and we've we've just had a tune out called walk with me it's that thing of just staying creative isn't it yeah yeah oh that's incredible oh well thank you so much for um sharing that with us and indeed thank you so much for sharing all your insights today so once again thank you so much for being on the podcast can you tell us a little bit about where people can find out more about you yes i'm on nadinebenjamin.com for like all my artistry things and all my coaching things is everybodycan.com and instagram is nadine benjamin soprano and i think that's that's enough threes i always love working in threes they're, they're better <laughs> yeah also like i think with social media you really have to 
just do what you can handle, right? Because, you know, there's the big three, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I've never used Twitter in my life. And I did think, <laughs> oh, should I start? I've got a podcast now. But then I thought, oh, you know what? I find Facebook and Instagram enough. <laughs> so, yeah. It's hard work. And if I add in another one, I don't know what would happen to me. It's that thing. Well, as a high performance coach, we have these things where we set times for to use social media. And so I the timings that some people use are either 9 or 11 in the morning, 3 in the afternoon, and 7 p.m. in the evening. And then that's it. Oh. You only check three times a day. You'd use the first time to respond to things that you've put out. You'd use the second time to respond to things that others want from you. And you'd use the third time for the overlap. Yeah, so it's very constructive. Very good to have that structure because it can just take over your life. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Especially, now, and that's the other thing around self-care, isn't it? Like not too much social media at the moment because I just think that it just tires and wears people out. And actually yeah. it's, it's not very good for anxiety either. Like if you are somebody out there who's been having moments of real challenging moments of anxiety, stay away from the social media as much as you can and you know the breathing is really important as well breathing and then focusing on yourself yeah most importantly yeah and sometimes it's not just about focusing on yourself sometimes it is about is there someone that you that you love that you know would benefit from you cheering them up Mm -hmm. you know because sometimes I do believe that when we're in those spaces, us reaching out to other people can have the other effect as well of waking us up and making us feel like we're connected mm. and united. I know not everybody can do that, but it's, you know, sometimes there, there is a goodness in giving back. It's like the circulation of life, the law of circulation. Yeah, such a good message. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, not at all. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy to be here and I'm so glad that I've made the time. So just thank you so much. That was my chat with Nadine Benjamin. I've listened to her words many times now and I keep thinking about them. It's been really useful to think about structuring my days, but also not being hard on myself. These are difficult times, and we have to take life as it comes. Sorry. I said the podcast name in the podcast. So we established last episode that Music College didn't prepare us for a whole term of online music lessons. I asked music teachers to tell me what's something they say while teaching online that illustrates their frustration and highlights the novelty of the platform. So here are some more gems from the community. This week, it's the string teachers. And again, I'm going to take a little bit of artistic liberty as to how these may sound. Hiya, can you hear? Oh, no. Okay, I'll just, I'll just wait here five minutes while you connect to the audio. Yep. Okay, great, let's get started. Where's your violin? Why did you join the Zoom call if your violin is in the living room and your music is in the bedroom? Can you angle the camera so that I can also see your face? It's quite weird talking to a cello in a body with no head. Okay, this one I can confirm. It's difficult to fit an entire cellist in the frame. Is someone else playing your violin? This was a very short, younger sibling who had grabbed the violin out of view, creating a sort of disembodied violinist effect. 
Oh, well, it looks like you're doing the correct bowing and fingering, but you were completely pixelated, so don't trust me 100%. Low two on A, please. And the cello equivalent of that one is second finger, not third. And finally, this is probably my favourite. Oh, don't worry about that noise in the background. That's just one of my hens singing her egg song, as she's obviously just laid an egg. Thank you, Jenny, Heather, Miriam, Joanna, Verity and Elise for your contributions. And remember, if you have something that Music College didn't prepare you for that you'd like shared or discussed on the podcast, then let me know at asitcomespodcast at gmail.com. Next time, it's the pianists. So send them in if you haven't already and disregard this message if you're listening to this far in the future. That's it for today. Special thanks to Roz Nagy for my logo and Daniel Elms for my jingle. Great big massive thanks to Nadine Benjamin for taking the time out of her busy schedule to chat to me. It was an absolute pleasure to have her on the podcast. And as always, thank you for listening. Do get in touch, especially if you're listening beyond the pandemic, say next year. I hope what you've heard today is still pertinent. Actually, funny story, a friend of mine was catching up on an old episode from last year where I said something like, hello, people in the future, are we living in a Brexit apocalypse? And she texted me to say, uh, not quite, much worse. So you never know what's round the corner. Anyway, email me at asitcomespodcast at gmail.com. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at asitcomespod. Remember to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and spread the word. Thank you to those who've done so already. Chat to you soon and take good care. Bye.